All right, it's confession time. Welcome to my therapist couch. Uh, I am the king of starting, and I am the king of failure at finishing, and it's something that I've learned about myself. I'm a quick start in Colby. I do all that. But today, I have one of my new dear friends, and this this man and I became instant friends because he is the finish line to my start, and him and I see the world the same. We talk about business the same. We do business the same, and he is a fucking genius, for lack of better terms. I think today's podcast could have a label on it that costs $10,000 just with the lessons that Kyle shares alone. The three most important questions to ask about building any customer journey, any offer, the only four levers you can pull to scale your business and how to use them, how to measure time and measurements and your consistency, what three things you should always focus on to guarantee your success in any e-commerce platform, coaching platform, any service offer. Like I'm having trouble remembering all of the nuggets that were dropped in this show, but it is loaded with wisdom, loaded with knowledge. And I mean a direct path with like clear workouts, do this, think about this, ask these questions to apply into your business and get results immediately. And so I think that's the best justice that I can do this show. So without further ado, I'm going to stop bumping my gums so you can get into the value, take a whole lot of notes and go rocket ship. So without further ado, here's the episode. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good. Because this is the Mind of George podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Mind of George show, where I have a lot of energy and uh, I'm pretty stoked about today's guest because we've been friends for lifetimes, even though we haven't known each other that long. But the best way I would describe this man is he is the finish line for everything I start and can never finish, and he does it better than me. <laughs> but that's the best way that I can describe him. But I, I just, before I even bring him on, uh, just my experiences, I, I, I met this man through social media. And he has very quickly kind of taught me how to be better at what I do, embodies it at a level that I don't even understand, has the tech, data, and integration background to put knowledge to all of this, gets marketing at a level that very few people do. Every time we talk, I learn and take notes. And he's one of the most giving, heart-centered, amazing human beings that I've met. And so I am really, really excited today to have my friend Kyle Porter on the podcast. So Kyle, welcome to the show. Dude, thank you. That is probably the best introduction I've ever gotten. I really appreciate it. It's that. all true. And for those of you wondering, like, I'm not joking. Like, let me just tell you a story of how I met Kyle and how he got me. So Kyle, I believe the first time is uh, we had, I think we had talked on Instagram, but my buddy Mo came on the podcast and Mo is a dear friend of mine and teaches a framework for uh, hooks on problem, problem, object, desire, solution. And then Kyle's like, hey, I wanted to make it easier for you guys. So I just made you a custom chat GPT prompt that will spit this back out to you and then sent it to me and Mo. Of course, I screenshot it, send it to Mo immediately. Mo's like, bro, I know he sent it to me already. I'm like, who is this man? Right. And then every time I DM'd him, he's like, I'm here to help. And I'm like, hey, man, I have a friend at a company who could use some help. He's like, oh, let me help. And then every single time he's service forward and service front and he shows up like that authentically and that's how Kyle got in and and that is just from day one been the reason that 
I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in. And so I appreciate it immensely, man. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's such a like, I think it's such an important way to just start with anything is if you have a relationship with a person, like the more frequent and sizable you can make the deposits in the emotional bank account with whoever it is that you're in a relationship with, like it, it never doesn't work. You know, that that's one of the things that I talk to people about marketing a lot and they're like, oh, my Facebook ads aren't working or my like nobody's opening my emails or my, nobody's converting on my website. But like nobody ever says like, oh, I really put in a lot to this relationship and it, like it's not working. Like people aren't responding well to the things that, like that always works. And if it doesn't, the person on the other side of that relationship isn't somebody you want to be in business with. Dude, I know. And it's so funny when you say that because I'm like, wow, that's such like a litmus test. Like, why am I doing all of the things that don't work when there's this thing that always works at the core of all of it, right? That's right. Which is which is funny because I think that's probably where we're going to start the show based on what we talked about before we even hit record. But before I do that, can we set some context a little bit? Because you've had quite a bit of like life experience in buckets and sure. learning and getting here. But like just in your lens, like how would you kind of describe your evolution of like how you got to here? Right. And what is here? Like, what do you love doing? What do you love focusing on? Like, what's that thing for you? Sure. So. I always think about painting with different brushes, right? So I end up doing a lot of different things. I started, went to college, spent four years drinking beer and chasing girls around. And that doesn't leave you with a whole lot of options coming out of college, you know, like where everybody else was like getting internships and putting on suits and ties and going down and doing interviews and things like that. I was kind of watching them do that. And then like got to the end of college and was like, oh, I never did any of that stuff. Maybe I should have. But all through high school, all through college, I taught kids martial arts. So I was doing, um, I was running a karate school. I was, I was, that was my world. Like that was what my like high school summer job was, was teaching kids karate. And all through college, I did it. After college, I didn't really have a whole lot of other options. So that was like where I went. I was like, y'all want to hire me full time. And I went in and, and a buddy of mine um, and I ran this business and we grew it from probably a hundred kids in this building to by the time I left about four years later, we had like 700 kids. We had an after-school program where we're driving like buses. I got a commercial driver's license. So I'm driving literally a school bus down the road, picking kids up from an elementary school. I'm like 24 years old and parents are asking me to like consult with them about like they're like raising their children. And I mean, it was just this like wild time in my life where we built up this gigantic martial arts school that is like one of the largest single location karate schools in the entire country. Um, and we built this thing up and we can talk about how we did it because it, it informed everything down the line. Um, but what I decided at that point, when I left, I was like, I can do this on my own. I watched, you know, this business grow and I'm a W2 employee, you know, making 60 grand a year going like, I'm growing this business to millions and millions of dollars. Like, but I'm not seeing a whole lot on the back end of it. So I open up my own business, um, realize really quickly that there's a lot more to it than just like teaching really good classes. Like there's gotta be a, a catalyst. There's gotta be some sort of like inciting incident. I'm big on hero's journey stuff. So there's gotta be this, like for, for the community at large, there's gotta be kind of this call to adventure that brings you into the forefront of the community's mind. Um, and so I had to figure out how to spark that. Um, and so I had to teach myself 
digital marketing, basically. So I had to watch, you know, proud graduate of YouTube University on how to build a website, how to launch a Facebook ad campaign, how to write an email campaign, like all the tactical stuff um, that later I learned wasn't really all that important. Um, <laughs> Which and, we'll talk about later. So, yeah, figured out all figured out how to do all of that, got this business off the ground and built up my own karate schools. So ended up, you know, kind of getting there on my own. By that point, you know, like I had signed a five year commercial lease with a couple of partners um, and and it had to work. I was married. I had a couple of kids. Um, and and so it, it did like it, it wasn't always super rosy, but we figured out how to make it work. Um, and then I, I transitioned out of that once. I needed something that was a little more conducive to family life. Um, so now I, I run a digital marketing agency and, and help companies kind of figure out how to get and keep customers. Um, but really the foundation of everything, kind of like you talk about, is just it's building relationships. It's building the thing that has always been true, whether it was that first karate school or the second karate school or any business that anybody's in is like, how do you show people that their objective and the, the journey that they're on matters to you just as much as it matters to them. And, you know, that's, that's the crux. Yeah, man, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And so actually I am intrigued now because you opened a loop in my brain on how okay. you built that with the school bus. But right now, all I'm imagining is like 24 year old you driving down the road in a yellow school bus. Picking no, 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 not a yellow what school color. bus. We got, it, we got it wrapped. Yes. So we pull up next to the yellow school buses, but we got this thing wrapped and it was black, matte black with blue lightning bolts all yes. over it. And so when we'd pull up, and so we're like blasting Tupac out of this thing. And so I pull up to an elementary school in this black school bus, like blasting 90s gangster rap out of my school bus, pull up in the lane with the yellow school buses. And then all the kids come walking out. I literally had a kid walk face first into a yellow school bus because he was staring at my bus. So he walks out of the school and like, can't take his eyes off my bus and then bam walks into the yellow school bus and I knew like all right I'm good I'm all set the now. amount of like marketing lessons in that alone of like creating an emotional experience having like a heightened sense like getting dude it's so good so yeah like why don't you because you alluded to it like how did you guys grow and scale that because I think it's going to lead into what we talk about later yep so what I know now and what I was in the process of learning then is that the fundamental step to building any sort of like business growth plan is who do I want to get in front of? How can I make their life better? And where are they already? Mm. So if I'm, if I'm really focused on trying to build a congregation that doesn't already exist for the purpose of advertising to them, it's not going to work. But if I can go to a place where a congregation of people that I want to get in front of already does exist, and I can just become part of that community, then I'm putting myself at a serious advantage. So that's what we did is we looked around our building and we went, you know, there's six elementary schools here within, you know, three miles of this building where I can go and these kids are bored out of their mind. They're five to 12 years old. And if I can get in and do 
PE classes, if I can do gym classes in these elementary schools and I can show them that like all these kids who are playing baseball, football, basketball, soccer, all these other sports that are kind of like that traditionally catch kids, you know, the team sport activities. If I can show them that what we're doing here is something different than what they expect um, and it's not the and like no shade thrown at this this it just wasn't what we did but we're not the like bow sensei master counting japanese like it was i was coach kyle we wore athletic like warm-up stuff i'm in there doing like we're like hitting heavy bags and stuff. like that's the kind of martial arts stuff we were doing and so we got in there and i'm literally teaching martial arts classes to these kids in their pe classes once a week for an entire school year so my day now my day was hard as shit yeah. so i would go in and my day was literally teach kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third, fourth, fifth, leave that school, come back to my gym and teach all the classes that evening. So, I mean, I'm teaching, you know, 15 classes a day, but there's my congregation. So why the hell am I going to run Facebook ads trying to get people's attention and build an audience of people that meet, you know, specific interests you know, requirements when like everybody I'm ever going to want to do business with is sitting in this building already. So reverse engineer the audience and go there. So that's what we did to kind of build awareness. Um, and then I had the idea to do this. So I, I said, I, I was going to see each group twice, each group of kids. So, you know, Miss Johnson's class, I'm going to see them once on Wednesday, once on Friday. So if I'm there for a full week, I'm seeing each group twice. The first day I sent home a piece of paper and I said, I need you to go home, kids. I need you to go home and clean your room without your parents asking. Do something you're supposed to do. Feed the dog, clean your room, vacuum the house, whatever. If you do that, have your parents sign off on this sheet and you'll get to break a board the next time we come back to class. And I said to the parents, fill out your name and phone number and I'll send you a video of your child breaking their board. So they send back names, phone numbers. I got 700 of these things literally on my iPhone. I'm building albums of videos from like Mrs. Smith's third grade class. And then in each video, I'm like, here's George breaking his board. And then like, so I could say it in the video and then I match up the name with the sheet, text it to the, I mean, like it's work. It's hard. It's like, it's truly one-off stuff that it's trying to scale stuff that doesn't scale, but we added like 200 members to our gym. Like, that. I mean, like over within a month, dude, I can't like maybe hard, but that is the easiest thing for me. Like that's what fills my bucket. Like I'm over here gloating right now. And I'm like, I know where he's going. He's about to anchor this in, have the kid do the behavior. And then the parents are going to get this and the kids incentivized. It's gamified. It matches the avatar of the child it empowers them. It gives them the ability to choose it on their own. There's no consequences if they don't, but there is a reward if they choose the path. And then the parents are like, who is this guy that got my kid to clean a room that I've yet to been able to get them to clean? So, so good. So what are the three questions again that you asked in the beginning? Because I want to repeat them. So first question is, who am I trying to get in front? Yep. Who am I trying to get in front of? Second question is, how does what I do make their life better? How does what I do make their life better? Yep. And third one. Where are they already spending time? Where are they already spending time? And so for everybody listening, I'm going to tell you right now to write those three questions down. You might want to name those, call those a model, but that alone at a very principal level, it will cut through a lot of the noise. And, and I know Kyle and I are going to talk about this as well, but also he referenced like, 
why would I go run paid media to try to build an audience to where I have one that's here? And, and him and I both see this across the board because the number one thing that we get typically when somebody comes to us, both of us, because we share client ideas, we talk about this with each other, is like everybody always wants more. I want more clients. I want more boom. And they're convinced that that's the path. But there's also this entire subset of a congregation that you've built that has all the answers that you have inside of it. And so those three questions, by the way, like, and, and I want to say this to Kyle, like after I had a call with Kyle and I was like, bro, I want to understand what you do even more. I was like, send me some examples of like what you do. And he sent me like an Apple keynote presentation of like a business plan. And I was like, what is this? And it was like the embodiment of those three questions about mapping it out and seeing what's there. But I think it's so, so, so important because even in what you just shared for everybody listening, like understanding that like when you really, really understand those questions, what we have to find is that the answers are just from going and taking those actions, like being willing to be like, hey, go clean your room and have your parents sign it. Hey, let's try this. Hey, let's record these videos. But like, I can imagine everybody listening be like, I would love 700 pieces of UGC of my ideal client, you know, breaking it down. But one of the things that we're so bullish on, and Kyle believes this too, is that the reason we scale is you automate all the things that don't require a human so you can scale the quote unquote unscalables, right? And this is like a perfect example of that. So I I, I absolutely love that. So now, just because I think this is a perfect segue and I want to know because you and I had the same path, right? Like I went to YouTube University, but mine started in 2010. YouTube wasn't really popping with uh, content back then other than like really viral videos. And so it was just like this learn what I did, but I did the same thing, right? Okay, here's digital marketing. Okay, here's affiliate marketing. Here's email marketing. Here's web design. Here's food photography. Here's YouTube. Here's social. And I even remember the point in my career where I believed all of that was the answer, right? And I did all of it. And when I used to consult, I would go consult in three days on every area of every aspect of an entire business and digital ecosystem. And now I'm like, how the fuck did anybody get anything out of that? Like, it's like literally overwhelming. But then when you get experience and you realize this, and I think this is something that you can speak very intelligently on is that once you learn all those tools and those strategies and those tactics, it's not that you use them all the time. It's that they go in your toolbox and you have them as a way to utilize and create something. But then you have to really singularly focus on what you're trying to achieve with those three questions. And so for you now, what are some of the realizations you've had? Because you have this entire background, right, of like figuring this out and doing every aspect of digital marketing. But now on the other side, and through your experience and success, you have the whole other side of like helping businesses do this and now seeing what actually works, right? So like, where's that gap for you? And like, what do you see is so important now versus like what you used to see? So to me, it's an issue for most businesses. It's an issue of order of operations. It's an issue of people decide that a particular tool is a tool that they're going to utilize. And I don't argue with them about that. Like, is Instagram going to be part of your business growth at some point? Like, yeah, probably. Is, you know, web design going to be something that you need to know a little bit about at some point? Like, yeah, probably. But is it what you need to be focused on given limited bandwidth, limited resources, limited time, you know, all of those things? Is it what you need to be focused on right now? And that's where I had to really learn that lesson because you know, I was, I was opening my karate school, 
Gary V videos were telling me to run some fucking Facebook ads. <laughs> and so I'm going like, okay, cool. I'm going to run some fucking Facebook ads because Gary V says so. And, you know, he puts out like he's doing better than anybody, you know, of course, is what I'm, I'm watching at the With time. a team of 24 so, making every video that you right, see. Yeah. And, I'm, and he's telling you like, yeah, you could do this all your own. And I'm like, okay, cool, Gary. Like, I'll go ahead and do it then. But then you run into this problem. And this is where I had to like build a repeatable system is if I'm going to run some Facebook ads, then what are they going to say? What's the image going to be? What's the offer going to be? Where am I going to drive that traffic? What happens to the people who go to that page but don't opt in? What happens to the people who go to that page and opt in but don't buy? Who am who am I going to send to that page? Like so there becomes this whole issue of I can't do that until I do this. And when you have a sequence of things where it's like, I can't do that until I do this, then you have to work backwards and you go, okay, well, I can't run Facebook ads until I have a landing page. That's true. But I can't build a landing page until I have an offer and a positioning statement. Where do I fit into this market? And I can't build an offer or a positioning statement until I understand who my competitors are and who my customers are. So how do I work backwards to what can I do today? without any other prerequisites to get myself to unlock and knock over that first domino. And what I realized is the first thing I can do is decide because there's no wrong answer here, decide on who is it that I want to try to serve because I can be the like martial arts, you know, high energy athletic type gym for the kid who struggles with confidence and is getting bullied and would never dream of playing, um, you know, team sports like baseball and football and soccer and and that kind of thing because it would get in the way of his you know chess and violin schedule or i can be the karate school that serves those kids and that's either one is totally viable like whenever you're making a decision like that we'll talk more about this later you have to consider options that have a viable alternative right if you're establishing brand positioning like do you want to be the economical or the premium either one like those are viable alternatives to each other um you don't want to position yourself as like the organized accountant, like no shit as opposed to what, you know, like, you know, like I'm not going to hire the, like, you know, if, if you say I'm, I'm the best organized CPA, like, yeah, I fucking hope so. <laughs> That's why you know, I'm like, paying you. Yeah, right. Like, so if there has to be the viable alternative to whatever you decide to be and plant your flag somewhere, go, here's who I'm for, at least in this particular channel, because I can be for the team sports kid or the, you know, nerdy gets picked on kid. I just can't do the same. Th- I can't be for both of those people in the same ad copy, the same landing page, because they may accept the same offer, but they're going to accept it for different reasons because it solves different problems for them. That's why it's not about the offer first. It's about the customer. First. Yes. So who's the customer? What do they need? Then how do I match up the benefit of my offer with the need of the audience? And that establishes my positioning. For me. Yeah, dude, I'm going to, I'm going to no, go ahead, go ahead. Keep going. Everything else. Falls in place. No, then everything else falls in place because then like the landing page writes itself, the ad copy exactly. writes itself. It becomes self-apparent, like what the ad actually needs to be. And when you start by putting the cart before the horse and going like, okay, let me run a Facebook ad, then like you just you end up with so many roadblocks that it becomes almost impossible yeah and and a couple couple notes here like quite a few actually um actually you'll appreciate this so i had um i interviewed uh, um the head of partnerships at optimunk the other day 
And he came with like some principles for an incredible e-commerce experience, but he came with some examples, right? And so for everybody, like just on something Kyle just said, when you think about like that positioning or that viability, right? So I'm going to give two examples. One is like you think about the CBD market right now, right? Like everybody is selling CBD. It's everywhere, right? Like if you just go launch a CBD, good luck standing out. But one of my clients and my dear friends, Angie and Mike Lee, uh, was Soul CBD very early on we're like okay cool but they were like we want to be the best tasting cbd they're like we don't want to talk about cbd cbn cbg like no 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 like our avatar is a 50 plus you know 45 plus never heard of cbd never tried cbd is scared of it and we want them to have it have the benefits and have it taste good right and that positioning and then he showed me a company yesterday that cut through the noise for me. And I've yet to see like a better example. Cause you're like, Oh, if you ask me right now, if I would launch a, a, like a protein in the market, I'm like, Nope. Or a collagen in the market. I'm like, Nope, not without a positioning, but this company it's called my Avi, like obviously, and it's a collagen mm -hmm. protein. And it's like the obvious choice for better hair and for better skin and for better nails. And every single one, cause I was looking at it when he was breaking it down was like the ad matched like just that one pain point. And then when you got to the landing page, it matched that just same one, right? And it, it they went from a $10,000 bootstrap to 8 million in two and a half years in the last two and a half years, right? And so I want to give some credence to what Kyle is saying. But, you know, for years, I used to hear this all the time. And I know you've heard this and you hear marketers saying this all the time. It's like, well, if you have a problem and you have money, you don't have a problem. I actually believe you have a bigger problem because it allows you to invest in the wrong things without having the things in place that Kyle's referencing and talking about. And one of the beliefs that we were talking about before the show, and I think this is one of the most important ones, is that people tend to get convinced that they don't have the path or they don't have the answer. And so they'll have this pool of customers or this pool of people that are in their ecosystem and they will be convinced that their answers are somewhere else, right? Like they're going to go find them or I need to go find this. And you and I share very similar beliefs around this. So I would kind of love to hear you break it down of like, what do you mean by like starting on like the back end and like working forward? Because I get it, like in what you said, right? We were talking before about like going to your existing audience, but for everybody listening to this, one of the things that really, really matters here, and we've said this on the podcast before, is, is a lot of you think that the presence, right? Your offer itself is what's wrong, but yet nobody ever opens the wrapping paper and then you get convinced that it's your offer, right? Or that it's the thing inside the box, but they never open the wrapping paper. And what, what we're talking about is understanding that it's very rarely ever the offer, but it's more so the personalization and the positioning of it. So they understand that that offer is for them. I think that's a fair way mm -hmm. to assess that. Yeah, I, I agree. That's that's exactly because it, it's not about it's not about what you get because the 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 benefit of martial arts training, like all those kids that I ended up teaching, all of them were in exactly the same class. They were sitting next to each other on the mat, but they were experiencing by receiving the same service. They were experiencing and receiving very different benefits from that service because they came in with very different problems. And so what I always tell people is there's four ways to grow your business. Literally only four, not three, not five. There are you can either get more eyeballs, more attention, more opportunities, right? Call it what you want. Yep. Like it's leads, it's traffic, it's, you know, it's at bats yep. is basically the way to do it. You can get better at those at bats. So you can have higher conversion rates. Yep. I can get more leads or I can get more sales out of the leads I'm already getting. 
I can increase my margin per transaction, meaning my average ticket value can go up. I can have, you know, the and, and that can happen two ways, right? I can either increase prices so I can receive more on the front end by upselling, cross-selling, adding additional value, you know, making my thing more valuable, or operationally, I can do it by um, creating operational efficiencies, right? It costs me less to deliver the same service, right? And that's a little nuanced, but yep. so I can get more leads, I can get more conversions, I can get more margin, or I can just get more transactions. And for people who are in the space that we're in, particularly a recurring revenue model, relationally driven thing, so many people focus on the first two. How do I get more leads? How do I get more attention? How do I get more sales? How do I get more customers? When the back two will grow your business just as well, just as effectively, and with less operating expenditure, with less effort, with less money, if you just get better at what you do so that people are willing to pay you more and so that they stick around longer because they're invested in the relationship, there's no additional, there's no marginal cost to that. There's no like, oh, well, you know, now George is sticking around as a client for another month. So I better, it's not how it works. Like, so if all you do is focus on turning your retention rate from six months to 12 months, that has exactly the same net effect as turning a hundred leads into 200 leads, but it comes with a lot less complications for you as the operator. A, th- a thousand percent. Like for everybody listening to like when, when I go into a company or a company comes to me and we start breaking this down, the first bucket we always start in is who is existing already, right? And the number one question yeah. I ask, and they're like, I need more leads. I'm like, amazing. If I took every previous customer that you've ever had and I put them in an auditorium, would you stand on stage and feel comfortable that you help them all? And they're like, no, I'm like, great. So we know where to start, right? Because you go in and you, for you e-commerce people listening, for you, anybody listening, right? Like one of the ways here is like in, in, in option number three of like increase, you know, average order value or increase lifetime value and operating costs, right? The cost of acquiring a customer versus keeping a customer, even when you're not paying, right? Just the cost of energy to go from somebody who's consciously incompetent of you, right? In the Eisenhower matrix has no awareness and then getting them into your ecosystem, that could be anywhere from a month to six months. But once they're in and they have that relationship, they're already in and they're endowed. And, and those people, they're the best source of information, zero point data, right? These are the people that have the, the path of like, here's my challenge, here's my solution. And, and one of the things that I see a lot is that people get going and they get clients and they're like, yeah, totally. Okay, this offer's working. Now I want to go add another one, not let me deepen this one. Let me make this one better. Let me realize that it's always going to be the same workout. And then you get caught in that trap of like trying to fill more in. And then what eventually happens, and we see this across the board, they're convinced it's more, they bring more in the front, but it creates more damage in the back, right? Because the people in the back aren't getting cared for, right? They're not getting the results. They're not going through the program, right? And so then it just becomes this system that you're just chasing and chasing and chasing. And it kills you eventually until you learn the lesson. And so it, it's huge, huge, um, you know, when you talk about this. So like for you, what I would love to hear is like, because you you talked to a lot of entrepreneurs, right? Like what are what are some of the ways that like you hear like the challenges they're having or like the, the focuses they're having, like the mistakes that they're seeing or making and like what you really help with? Like for me, 
like number one, people come to me and they're convinced that they need more clients, right? And then number two, like, oh, I need to be on more social media. I need more content, right? And it, it's the, the ways that these represent, but you're so clear now and like, okay, when you have these three questions, right? So like, what are some of the big things that you see, the big mistakes that people make, the wrong focuses when it comes to any of these things that you help people with? The biggest issue is an issue businesses don't die of starvation. They don't die of, you know, of, I don't have enough ideas. I don't know what to do next. You know, like I I have no clear path. They die of indigestion. It's, I have so many things that I could be doing that I have, I have no idea which path I should start to go down because they get overwhelmed by this opportunity cost of if I go down this path, I feel like I won't be able to go down this path. So how do I triage and decide which of these things are the most viable, valuable path for me to go down. But the problem with that thinking is it it hinges on the assumption, which is an, a, an invalid assumption. It hinges on the assumption that you only get one at bat, yes. right? So if you, if you go down this path and you do something, like you try whatever it is and it doesn't work, then nine times out of 10, your business is still operational. You're still in pretty good shape. You can adapt and adjust and iterate and get yourself back on course, try something different, but with the advantage of immediate feedback. You know, So I think that the, the ability to move forward and to, to recognize that there are a lot of opportunities and of course, like we want to be as intentional as possible about prioritizing those things. Like That's what strategy is. Like strategy is prioritization. It's just like everybody gets like gets all worked up about like how do I how do I build a business strategy? All the business strategy is is acknowledging that there's a whole lot of options and choosing pretty intentionally which ones are the best fit for you. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, deciding which lever to pull is exactly like that question that you posed. Like, okay, would all of your past clients enthusiastically refer you? If not, then like, that's probably a pretty good lever to start with, you know, like, are you, and, and intuitively, a lot of business owners know this. They know that either like, Hey, the front door doesn't open enough or the back door opens way too much. Or, you know, like when people are in the house, they don't seem very happy, you know? So like, what do we do as kind of these, these abilities to be sort of self-diagnostic and go, Hey, here's where I think things are going to get better. Go do that get feedback, decide how you're going to measure it, how you're going to track it. What does a win look like? You know, how are we keeping score of this thing? Um, you know, because you look at any, you look at any game and we can measure any number of things, right? Like George and I could be sitting there watching a basketball game together. And if one of us is counting how many times the ball goes through the net and the other one of us is counting how many times the ball bounces on the ground, we might have a completely different idea at the end of the game who won the game, right? It's just determining like, what does a win look like? And setting those metrics up in advance, knowing what we want for our business. Uh, And again, it goes back to design. It goes back to who do I want to serve? How do I make their life better? And where are they already spending time? How do I fit into that ecosystem? And how can I create wins for them? Because I know that that's going to come back as a win for me. I, I love that. And I actually want to talk about the measure thing for a minute because I think it's so important because I even fell trapped to this for years, right? Even when I hit like higher levels of success, like the only metric I do is money, right? Or it's this or it's that, right? But it creates all this like missed 
opportunity, right? Because for people listening, I know everybody will resonate with this. You're like, oh, I set a goal to make 10 grand and you make eight. And instead of it being a win, it's a loss. And I'm like, no, no, that's eight more grand than you had. And there is something in there that worked extensively well to create that. And there was a few things that was missing in those one of four ways to scale your business to have that other two. But what I watch happen is everyone's like, oh, it didn't work. Let's go back to the drawing board. Let's throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? So like when you're creating measurements, right? Like I think it's really important to talk about this. Like how does somebody go about like creating measurements or like how they would measure their win? Because like for me now, for us, it's like we measure it based on somebody getting the value and doing the work, right? It's not about how many views we get. It's not about how many comments we get. We so more so measure ourselves on consistency, right? Are we continuing to share content that can help and inspire people? Not how many people see it, but that it's out there for when they see it, that they can see it, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, how does your brain or like, how do you help people or what do you think about when it comes to measure? It's, it's exactly that. It's, there's, uh, most people know about like the Jerry Seinfeld thing where Jerry Seinfeld's like self-imposed rule is I'm going to sit down and for two hours every single day, I'm going to write jokes. Yep. And the photography class example where like one group of students ha- is tasked with turning in the absolute best one of like the one best ph- photograph that they can turn in at the end of the semester. The other group is tasked with turning in as many photos as possible. And the moral of the story is always the same, which is that the more you can track and hold yourself accountable to the lead measures and the leading indicators, you know, did I produce content today? Did I send emails? Did I reach out, you know, to the thing that I've decided is the lever that I'm going to pull. So if it's building relationship with my existing customer base, did I send them, you know, handwritten postcards? Did I take out my phone and record a video and tell them that I'm proud of them? Did I do like, did I do those things? Because if I do those things, then on the back end of the month or the year or whatever, you know, it is, I will see that my retention rate is better. I will see that people stick around longer. I will see that they pay more money. But by the time I've seen that data, by the time I've seen my monthly churn rate, it's too late for me to do anything about it. But if I hold myself accountable to these daily inputs and these daily actions, then at the end of the month, if my churn rate is higher than I expected it to be, if more people left than I would have anticipated, then one of two things is true. I'm either going to go back and look at my lead measures and I'm going to go, oh shit, I didn't do, I only did 46% of the days that I was supposed to do this thing. So no doubt, like, of course people left or I did all the things that I thought I was supposed to do and people still left. So now I've got this, you know, clear as day data standing me in the face, staring me in the face going, what I thought was the, the input that would move the needle doesn't actually move the needle the way that I thought it would. So now I need to go in and I need to figure out why that thing doesn't account for the results that I'm experiencing. Yeah, like 1000%. And so for people listening, right, like we talk a lot about like with the wedge of expectations or needle movers or all of those things, right? And and I want to really hit this with, with Kyle because he just alluded to this, but with those leading measures, right, those are the workouts that you put in every day that are required to go in consistently to create the result that you want. But if when you get a result and the result isn't ideal, if you stop the leading measures, the trailing effect is by the time you catch the fact that you stopped, it's too late to recover. 
And so when you think about the core functions of your business and you think about those needle movers and those things that you have, like those are the things that you have to protect over everything. So even earlier when we're talking about opportunity cost or priority, the priority comes for after those core behaviors are done, after those needle movers are done, after that consistency is done, because without it, you don't have an accurate frame of measure, right? Because there is no one size fits all, like no marketing campaign works forever, no video works forever, no anything works forever. But the consistency piece is the piece that gives you the information to make adjustments and measures because you have the data and you have it out there. And so then my next step, and and I'm, I would love your thoughts on this, is like when you end up in those situations and you help a lot of people audit this back end, I'm assuming you kind of go straight to the customer source, right? But like, how do you go about like collecting that data, right? So you look at somebody's launch, like you look at this thing and you've been consistent with your behaviors. <clears throat> how do you make adjustments? How do you collect data? Like, how do you go in that? Do you measure it through like one of those three questions or like try to put it in one of those core functions of business or like what's your process like? So the first thing is making sure that you don't measure you don't put too much weight on any particular snapshot of data, yes. right? So if we look at we look at one singular moment in time and we go, hey, my conversion rate on my landing page was this, or my number of impressions was this, or my retention rate was this, or you know whatever the thing is, as I measure it from the very front to the very back of the entire ecosystem, if I take a picture of it, I can't put too much weight on any number within within that picture. But if I take a picture of it today and then I take another picture of it in a week and then I take another picture of it a week later and I watch in, if I in, if I instead of focusing on points, if I focus on trajectories, then I can start to look and I can go, hey, this is moving up and I don't want it to be. So why is it moving up? This is moving down and I don't want it to be. So how do I get it turned the other direction? And is it more important to get this that's going up and shouldn't be to get it going down or the thing that's going down to get it going up? And that's the decision-making filter that that's where like strategy really does come in because it's not, you know, it's not should my landing page conversion rate be 8%. It's why did my landing page conversion rate go from 8% to 7.6% to 7.2% to 6.8%? That's alarming. Like that's what I want to figure out and then go, okay, cool. Now I know that I need to adjust this here. Or I can look at the entire ecosystem and I can figure out this entire ecosystem. This is a complete like another paradigm of how to look at this is this entire ecosystem doesn't from the very beginning to the very end, doesn't give me the results that I want to make the money that I want or, you know, feed my family or pay my payroll or, you know, keep the lights on, whatever. So when I look at this, if I'm, if I insist on looking at it as a, as a snapshot and making one decision, which of these things feels the easiest to manipulate right now? So is it that I could get more clicks or is it that I could get more conversion or is it that I could do better in my sales appointments or is it that I could do this? And what would that end up doing for the entire ecosystem? Because that's where, you know, everybody calls the, the vanity, everybody calls these things vanity metrics. It's, you know, how many clicks did I get? And they're the, they're the marketing agency metrics. It's how many, look at how many clicks we got you. Look how many Instagram followers we got you. Look how many subscribers we got you on YouTube. Look how many, whatever. And those things, they're not vanity metrics. They're just upstream, mm -hmm. you know? And, and so sure, if you only look at those things, then like, yeah, you're not doing yourselves any favors, but those things are 
precursors to profit. So you have to look at those things and go, how do I take my landing page views and turn those into thank you page views? How do I take my thank you page views and turn those into booked appointments? Because that's where those numbers start to matter is as a, as they relate to other numbers. And that's where I can start to make manipulation. Yeah. I love that. One of the things when you were talking to that uh, came to me and this comes up to me all the time, but I would love your thoughts on this is that I also find a lot and myself included that when measuring my measurement windows were way too small to allow me to see a result. Right. And it's like, one of the things I see is people like, Oh, I want to build this business in three years, but they're measuring in two weeks. Right. They're measuring in 30 days. (laughs) They're like, hey, I want to lose 100 pounds. I've been working out for two weeks. Why haven't I lost 60 pounds yet? Okay, I'm going back to the drawing board. Right. So like, how do you think about time and measure like in relation to even business? Because like as you're speaking and I love hearing this and, and for everybody listening, like even in that example that you just gave. It's like understanding that a journey or that a customer goes through isn't necessarily linear, but there's stages. Right. And to break it down and to learn from it, it's not that you rebuild every stage. It's that you go look at the ones that are performing ideally. You get the number, you get a picture as a triage nurse of like, oh, this is happening here. This is happening here. And then from that, you prioritize which bucket would have the biggest impact on the company, right? Might create the most retention or increase this or reduce the workload here. But I also find that like in, in measures, it, it's it's like the, the paradigm exists of like, oh, uh, I put a Band-Aid on it. It's good forever. And it's not, right? It's a, oh, that works for right now. I make that adjustment. So like, how do you see like measurement windows and time and things like that? What do you see with clients? So I'm, I'm really big on managing predetermined environments. And what I mean by that is, and I, I can talk about a few different ways that I do it, but similarly to how a personal trainer might tell someone who wants to lose a hundred pounds over the course of two years that like, I don't want you to weigh yourself every day. I want you to weigh yourself every Friday yep. or I don't want you to you know, like, that's, that's the answer. I think that's the short answer to your question is I don't want you to be constantly clicking refresh on the back end of your Facebook ads manager. I don't want, because that is going to send you into panic mode unnecessarily because it forces you into a time horizon that's way too short. Um, and, and I'll do things where when I'm working with clients, I'll tell them like, okay, let's say that you have some service offering and it's a thousand dollars. Well, a lot of people are looking to that third lever. How can I make each transaction more valuable? But people are resistant to raising their prices, even as they get more reps and they become more valuable as service providers. So I'll tell them in advance, instead of making the difficult decision in the moment of, am I going to raise my prices or not? Why not just say clients one through 10 are going to be at a thousand dollars. And I'm deciding this from the very outset of this journey. Clients one through 10 are going to be at a thousand dollars, but immediately and Without negotiation, client 11 is going to be at 1250 and clients 11 through 20 are going to be at 1250 and client 21 goes to 1500 or, go, you know, and so that way it's already like there's no decision to be made. You are managing a predetermined environment where you're saying like, this is the interval upon which I will do this thing. I'm only going to measure this on Fridays. I'm only going to increase price every 10 customers. I'm only going to do this. And if you can build those in, it's it's the foundational like principles, then strategies, then tactics 
you know, the short window thing is spending too much time in the tactics. Like let's establish the principles and the strategies first and then let the tactics fall into place. Yeah, dude, I, I absolutely love that and agree on so many fronts. So I was just hit with a question and I don't know why, but I don't think I've ever asked this one, but I'm going to ask you this. So like for everybody listening, right? Like if you were to say like these three things are like the most important things to focus on, these are the things to think about. Like these are the things that I would give everybody to take away to like understand how this works. Like in your world, like in knowing that like there's a whole lot of me's listening, right? Like just like me, just like you, like in all of this, like what do you think are like at that core level, like the core needle movers of either thought, of either process, of either focus, like for your dream person, like what are the things that you think are like the top three things that they should pay attention to or focus on or really, really understand to give themselves the best chance of winning in the environment that we live in now? It's it's three things, but it's really one thing. So the I love it. The the first element of it is who am I talking to? Mm -hmm. It's it's who who are the people that I am uniquely qualified to serve and help and make their lives better. And because even if you have a wide variety of potential clients or customers, we have a client, this is a good example. We have a client that does, um, they're an e-commerce brand that does like non-alcoholic drink mixers, old fashioned mix, margarita oh, nice. mix, Bloody Mary mix, stuff like that. Well, there's this huge population. If you read reviews on Amazon and you read reviews of these products, there's this huge population of people that are recovering alcoholics or non-drinkers that use these products with soda water to make mocktails so that at the cocktail party, they're not the only person holding a can of Diet Coke and they don't have to have that conversation. They're all That market exists. Yep. It already exists. So if you own one of these companies, like do this, right? No one is speaking to that audience. No one creates you know, advertising and marketing collateral to that audience for that category of products. Similarly, for that category of products, there are bourbon and scotch and rye whiskey aficionados who only drink specific brands of bourbon and who are very, very discerning about the things that they combine with the spirits that they love. And I can be the non-alcoholic drink mixer company that serves both of those audiences. But like I said before, I can't do it with the same landing page and the same ad copy and the same creative and really at the same time, because it's fighting a war on two fronts. So choose, plant your flag, decide who you're going to be for in this immediate moment. That's the first thing, because you can be both. You just can't be both at the same time. The second thing is getting really, really, really clear. We, we alluded to this earlier, but on why people would buy from you to solve the problem, not to get non-alcoholic drink mixers, but to not have to, ha that's the problem they solve is not, we have old fashioned mix. Nobody woke up in the morning, like at three in the morning in a cold sweat going like, oh my God, I can't find old fashioned mix. But what they do wake up at three in the morning is like, I might start drinking again, just to avoid the conversation about why I'm not drinking. You know, like I'm so tired of having that conversation. There's emotional toll and impact to that question and to that, that pain point. So when people seek out solutions, the example I always use is if you're a therapist and you help people fix their mental health and get their stress and their panic under control, your competition in the marketplace is not just other therapists. It's not because the, the customer that you are serving may also be considering the liquor store as a solution to the problem that they're experiencing. 
So what you've got to get really clear on is who am I going to be focused on? Why would they buy it from me or buy this solution from me when they have so many different alternatives? What do I offer them that no one else does? How do I make their life better in a way that no one else does? And then on the back end, the last one, sort of the third part is how can I get so obsessed with customer results that I have to spend way, 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 way less time focused on customer acquisition. Because if I'm so relentlessly and obsessively focused with getting my customers the results that they're after, the communal side of things takes hold. And I don't really have to worry about customer acquisition because my existing customers handle it for me. Yeah, I'm going to, oh my God, I love this. So I'm going to call out a few things that are really, really important. Number one, dialed spot on. Number two, I want everybody to rewind and listen to that again, because one big mistake I see is people think that because they have the features and benefits of their products clearly labeled that that's how they market. But what we fail to understand is that our customers don't speak that language yet because they're still having pain in their life. And so I can tell them that it will give them confidence to be standing in that in that event and have a drink in their hand, but that doesn't mean anything to them. But when I tell them they'll be able to stand there and never be questioned why they're not drinking again and have the courage and confidence to go happy, be out and do it, that's something that resonates with them. And that's a big part for me that I see is that a lot of people get stuck thinking that their product doesn't work or their message doesn't work. But in actuality, you're just speaking a different language than your customer speaks yet. They can't see themselves in that solution, especially when all we're doing. Yeah, please add. Because the other thing that it does is it informs tactical decisions about what you do as a business. Like if you know that that's the pain point that you're solving for people and you're allowing them to be out at the happy hour or the cocktail party or whatever, then maybe as that as that manufacturer, as that business, you decide, ooh, we need to put these non-alcoholic drink mixers into travel bottles where I can now go into the bathroom with my soda water, dump this thing into it, stir it around. Like it, it's a it's a product offering decision now based on the problem that you know it solves. Because you know, you can sell it as a 24 ounce bottle that sits on somebody's bar cart, but that doesn't help them if they're out at, you know, happy hour after work. But if I know that that's the problem that they saw that it solves, then now I can tell them. That's why we made it in this format, or that's why we're presenting it to you in this way. A thousand percent. Like that, that's the big, and, and I'm, I'm talking about this now because like in the last two weeks, I've done three customer journey intensives with people that I love. And the number one thing that I did more than anything was translate what they can say so clearly about what the benefit is going to be when they get here and put it into the language of what it looks like in their life right now, right? So like if I tell a woman, like I'm going to help you unlock your voice, that doesn't mean anything for her right now. But when I say you'll be able to advocate for your needs and tell your husband how you feel for the first time in 10 years with confidence, that now she understands that like that is exactly what I mean when I say use your voice, right? But if they can't see it, if they can't feel it, and and one note for me is that when they read it, when they see it, when they watch it, they have to be able to picture themselves in it, not picture it like it's me teaching them something, right? Like the, the, the word that I use is texture, right? It's like it has to be textured to match how it shows up in their life. And and you went through it like 
so seamlessly, but for everybody listening, like this is the name of the game. For me, marketing is translation, right? It's putting it into a language where they can feel it and understand it in their life, in their body so that they can lean in. And then when they're through the result, then they're like, oh my God, that's why I untamed my voice. That's why I achieved X, but they don't have a frame of reference or a result to do that. And so what Kyle said on number three, I want everybody to hear this. You will never scale a company without community. You will never scale a company without results. People's results or even moving one step closer to them is the actual thing that you foundationally need to get what it is that you're after, which is referrals, which is engagement, which is comments, right? And the whole reason we built our customer journey model is the first phase is about getting them the results because once they get a result, they get endowment and then we work on the retention because once they get a result, they trust us, they feel safe with us. And then we retain the relationship as they continue to have that result. And when they have a result and then the relationship from the retention referrals happens by accident because they become the walking billboards. They're telling people, oh, I'm doing this and they're helping with this. You won't even believe it. The workouts aren't working, but they keep following up with me and supporting me in my mindset. And it's, oh my God, it's so much deeper than this. And like, I can't, and like, you don't realize it. And I was on a call this morning and the guy's like, all right, guys, I got to tell you the story. I slid into George's DMs and said, I needed him. He got on a call. He ripped me an asshole and said, I will never let you pay me money because you're not ready. And then proceeded to give me a year's worth of work to do for free. And he's like, he didn't take the money. And I'm like, yeah. And everybody on this call since that day, Nick has put me on six or seven Zoom calls with people. I've had 250 people add me as friends on Facebook. I've got three speaking engagements and none of that was in my brain. I wasn't thinking about that. But in that moment, when I was on that call, I was like, hey, I could give him this, but I know he's not going to do the workout. Instead, let me give him this, knowing it will help him get him more ready he'll have a result and then we can get to work. And so I want everybody to understand the importance of this because Kyle and I see the world the same in this as well. And, and when I teach you the four paths to the peer and how our job isn't to find our customer, it's to create our customer. When you're obsessed about results for your customers, it fills in the entire backend that Kyle's talking about, which is what fills in all the information you need to do your marketing, to do your messaging, to do it personalized to find that next group of people that aren't necessarily ready to buy that would make them ready to buy when we can communicate with them. And so I wanted to just give weight to what Kyle said because it's so, so, so powerful. You have anything to add to what I just said? Cause I know I probably opened like 20 loops in your brain. Yeah. You, you opened up a lot. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing, the thing that jumped out to me is like, I always talk about building like customer avatars, customer personas, things like that. Like, who is this person? Like identify a representative, you know, give them a name, give them a face, all that kind of stuff. Because then the, fil the filtering decision and, and the framework you can use is, let's say that my, you know, my customer persona's name is, you know, Jennifer. Would, would Jennifer click on this ad? Would Jennifer open this email? Is this a product that would make Jennifer's life better? And like, if you think about the people that you love in your life the most, how many times have you been scrolling through Amazon, scrolling through social media, whatever, and you see a product advertised and you go, this would be perfect for this person. 
I know that this person would love this thing. If you can understand your customer at the level that you understand the people that you love the most, if you can understand your customer in aggregate, distilled down to a single entity and you go like, and then you get reminded as you scroll through social media or as you listen to podcasts or as you get ideas for content, like that's, that's where people go. Like I I get kind of mystified when people go like, I don't know what to talk about in my content. And I go like, okay, well, do you know what advice you would give to your best friend if they sat down and asked you a question about something that you were an expert in? Like, of course you do. And you know how it relates to their life. And you go like, yeah, for you, the way I would really apply this is this. If you can do the same thing with your customers in aggregate and you can think about like, here's the problem that Jennifer is experiencing. God, Jennifer must be so frustrated about this. God, Jennifer's got to deal with this every single day. How does she deal with that? You know, like, God, Jennifer is really struggling with her confidence. She's seeing herself all wrong. Or, you know, like all of these things, like if you can do that, then you know exactly what to say and you pull it out and you go, look, Jennifer, like, here's what you're doing, you idiot. You know, and like, that's, that's how everything else like falls into place. Yeah. And even right now, by the way, for all of you listening, I already hear the objections in your head. So I'm going to do it right now because you're like, oh, well, where do I learn about my customer like this? Well, how do I get to know them? Well, like, where do I, where do I know that? And so I'd love to ask you, Kyle, like, when you want to get to know your customer at that level and viscerally, like what are some of the ways that you go to learn about that? Like, how do you connect with them? How do you, what do you look for? Like, what's that process like for you? There's two ways and it, and it hinges upon whether or not you already have customers. Cause if you have, if you have customers, if you have an existing business, then, you know, people go in and do market research and competitor research, but they don't pick up the phone and call their customers and go, Hey, Tom, how's life? What are you struggling with right now? How can I help you? Can I spend an hour with you just like making your life a little bit better right now? Can I sit and ask, like, can I, can I have these conversations and patterns start to emerge? What I, 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 have a big bookshelf behind me. And when I read books, what I am looking for is I'm looking for that author about that topic to say the same thing that someone else said in a different way. And if I find that, if I find that four different, you know, personal development books or marketing books or email marketing books or, you know, whatever, if they've all said the same thing in a little bit different way, that thing is true. That thing is universally applicable and it's true. And so if I talk to 11 of my customers and nine of them talk about how they wish I would X, Y, and Z, then everybody wishes I would X, Y, and Z. Yep. So that's the first. Um, And people are afraid, right? Because they're, they, a, again, it's hard yep. and it's, it's not, it's not that it's hard. It's just not scalable and it's not where people automatically go. The second thing is, I just realized there's three, there's not two. Um, the second thing We're is- way more alike than most, I thought. <laughs> yeah, most people start businesses. This is the one that just came to me. So I'm, I'm putting this thought in my mouth as I'm putting it in my head. I love it. Um, most people start businesses- to help the person that they used to be. I have made it through this problem. And so now I'm equipped because I've been up this mountain, I'm equipped to take other people up this mountain. That's true. So you've got to get a little retrospective and you've got to go, when I had never climbed the mountain, what did what was I afraid of? What did I learn on my way up the mountain? What challenges could I never have anticipated as I climbed the mountain? Because that's that's huge. Now, your sample size goes down to one because you've never done it for anybody else before. Mm-hmm. And 
that's the best way is start taking people up the mountain and then go, oh, I struggle with this, but everybody else seems to struggle with that. Okay, cool. Like start talking about that. Um, and then I think the third way is if someone is already helping people get up that mountain, then we've got to just look at what they're doing. You know, if I, if, if George and I serve a similar group of people and it's, it's really important to get access to the people that you may view as competition, but I think that that's a really short sighted and, and, um, limited way of thinking about it. But George and I are going to trade ideas at a level that's going to make both of us better in that it ultimately makes all of our clients' lives better. So sign up for your competitors' programs, read their materials, join their email list, follow them on social media, engage with them on social media, cheer them on on social media, like all of these things, because you're going to start to get a peek into their ecosystem and how people respond to them, how people talk to them, how people do these things for them. And if you don't have any customers of your own, start by drafting behind somebody that you really have a lot of respect and admiration for. And then when you hit a road bump and go, hey, the way George handled that is not how I would have handled that. Good. Like put your own spin on it, do something different and pull off or add to a group of people who need it your way instead of his way. 1000%. And I'm going to give an example for everybody listening to this because you're like, oh, okay. I do this at companies with customer journey, right? This is one of my hacks. I don't think I've ever talked about this publicly, maybe once, but this one client comes to mind and we were really trying to figure out like what made the best customers, the best customers, right? There was this clear delineation. There was like 5% of the audience that bought more than anybody else. And so what I did is I made a uh, a threshold, right? It was $1,000, right? And the moment they hit the $1,000 threshold in Shopify, it triggered an email sequence with a personalized video from the CEO that invited them to a 30-minute one-on-one call with the CEO to say, thank you for being our best customer. And on that call, he would be like, I totally am going to bribe you, but I need your help. I like, what is it that you love? What is it that you like? Like, what can we do more of? And then had a gift personalized for each one of them just to say thank you. And we got the next like seven products in the line for development from those people. And they're like, oh, this is what I've been needing. I've been buying these for friends. I wish you had this. They didn't understand about this. The reason I've been buying them for gifts is because I couldn't explain this. And I was like, oh, there's all the marketing messages that are missing, right? But then all of you thinking, Mm -hmm. it's like every time you take somebody on a journey, if somebody DMs you on Instagram, like this happens to me all the time. They DM me on Instagram. They're like, hey, I want your top podcast. So I send them the top podcasts. If all I do is send those, and then I never follow back up, I'm not really learning anything. And so I sell them like, hey, I'd love to know how this worked for you. I'd love for you to let me know if I can make anything better. And if not, I'll reach back out. And then occasionally I'll go in and be like, hey, did you listen to the podcast? Like, did that make sense? Like, oh, it was confusing, right? Like anywhere where there's an inflection or a change in a journey, you have the ability to get feedback on that process and you have the ability to get feedback. And so just thinking about where you can create these connection points because the one thing I'll challenge that, that, that Kyle said is that it is scalable for me because it's the only thing that scales, right? It's a direct source. I used to watch companies pay $5 million for a data set from spins. And I'm like, I can get you that on Zoom in an hour. Give me your email list, right? <laughs> and I'm like, hey guys, we're doing a Zoom call with the CEO and she's going to teach you these three things for free. And at the end, we just want to ask you some questions. Who wants to come? And 500 people sign up, right? 
And then you get off the call and then all of a sudden you have your best e-com day because after the call, they'll go buy your products again because you ask them questions, right? So you have to be willing to get in the game. And for you listening to this, your offer, your product, your service, your content is only as good as the person receiving its ability to understand it and implement it. And if we think that just because we have an offer or just because we made the video or just because we made the content that it's done, we're losing the part of the game that really, really matters because we would never let a client walk into our office and be like, all right, here's 10 grand, help me with this thing and then give them a workout that's confusing and then expect them to get the result. We'd make adjustments, we'd change it. And you have to keep that in the forefront of what you do. And to summarize some of this, it's like to go back to earlier, one of the things that Kyle and I know is it's never going to be your offer. Most of the stuff that we're getting to is either what happens after the offer and their ability to implement it and get the result, or how we talk about it before that gets them to understand it can help them because it speaks into their life. And the fastest path to find both of those answers is to go directly to the source. But it's not something that you get to take personally right? You, you, you have to remember, you're not an entrepreneur as a human being. You weren't born an entrepreneur. You weren't labeled an e-commerce owner. You're an incredible human being that's doing something and helping somebody with something that you might not have ever helped before. And to think that the workout that we do on day one is the same workout we're going to do on day 20 and day 80 and day 800 is insane. But we are the trainers of the world. And so we have to make adjustments to the people that we're giving it to. And so I want to like really, really hone in on this because everyone's always like, George, why do you do so many free calls? Why do you keynote for free? Why do you send so many videos? Why do you ask so many questions? Really, really simple. Every single one of you tells us everything you're struggling with. You tell us what your problems are. You tell us what your pain points are. And then we tailor the content to try to help you in a way that lands for you because customer journey doesn't matter to me if it doesn't mean anything to you. I could talk about it all day, but until you can apply it or you can put it in. And so I can't give more weight in any way to what Kyle said. And and for me, Kyle does this at like an executionary level that I haven't done in years, right? And I looked at his stuff and I've done it. And so to have the data, to have the background, to have the knowledge and the experience, like these are the true things at the at the core, like the foundational principles that pretty much, in my opinion, guarantee that you win the game if you get it, because then it's just a matter of swinging the bat until you make right. contact more often than you don't, and then making adjustments till you do. And the faster you get that, the faster you'll win the game. And like the, the example I use for myself now is like, I just lost 60 pounds, right? But I didn't do it with effort this time. It was kind of effortless because it was a byproduct of my habits that I did every single day. I didn't go out to work out. I didn't go out to lose weight. I'm like, hey, I'm going to do my breath in the morning. I'm going to hit my shake in the morning. I'm going to ask myself what my body needs. And eventually after like 45, 60 days, my family's like, where are you going? And I'm like, holy shit, I'm losing weight. Okay, got it. And it was so funny because they said it to me. And then the next couple of mornings, I stopped the things that I was doing. And then I was like, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. yeah, right. I got I got like acknowledged. I got celebrated. And I'm like, oh, I made it. I'm like, wait, no, back to the basics, right? Like back to the swing, back to the morning routine, back to the video, right? And I think for everybody listening, what you have to remember is that most of the time you get resistance, you get stressed, you get emotional. It's not that you don't know, it's that there's too much cloudiness in the way of the things that we're working. 
and you have to find a way to get back to those things, right? And I think that that's like the most important part. So I want to put a bow on this one and land this. We're going to have to do part two, but here's what I want to do for everybody listening. Um, I'm going to let Kyle share his info. I'm asking one more question. Um, But before I do that, I would love to hear from all of you because Kyle and I could do this all day. What did you learn? Like, what do you want to hear more of? If I have Kyle back, like, what do you want us to talk about? Like, we opened up a lot and we talked about a lot. The three questions at the beginning, like the three most powerful questions you can write down, the four areas where you can scale your business and leverage that opportunity, the ways in which to know and understand your client, what questions to ask, where to go, right? The most important thing for me is that you guys take a belief from today's show or take a thought from today's show and then put it into practice and go swing the bat. But swing it enough times that you can learn and you can go. But if anything opens, send us a DM, send me a DM, and I'll give you Kyle's in a minute. But ask us and we'll we'll hit it, we'll cover it, we'll come back. But I really genuinely want to hear from you because the faster you can put these principles into place, the faster you're going to start getting results and be able to work on more stuff. And so, Kyle, with that, like, where's the best place for people to connect with you, find you, all that fun stuff? Yeah, best place by far is going to be my Instagram, um, and that's just at the T H E Kyle Porter. Nope, and, no, no periods know. or anything. No periods, no nothing. Just the Kyle Porter. Send me a DM. I mean, the and and to piggyback, I think on what you're saying is it's really easy to build half built bridges. It's really easy to to start down this path and 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 get it most of the way there, some of the way there. And then see something else and go, maybe I should be doing that instead. It's never or almost never a good idea to abandon the bridge you're in the process of building to build a new one. Get it across, like close that chasm and then start on the other thing. Like, great, go do the next thing. But choose if I had one piece of advice to piggyback on what you said, George, is take if you take something out of what I've said or what George has said choose one and build that bridge. And if you want to do all of them, great, but don't do all of them at the same time. Choose one, build the bridge, choose another one, build the bridge, choose the last one, build the bridge. 1000%. And since Kyle referenced this and I'm the king of callbacks, you know, when he said he read like four personal development books and looks for patterns and he's like, oh, that's a universal truth. Besides me saying it, Kyle's probably the fifth, sixth, 10th person on the podcast to say, hey, you can only run one race at a time finish that race before you start another one and keep going. Like it is true. It is there. And I am learning this lesson again at 40 because there are plenty of bridges that I got to 80% that I thought finished themselves and they didn't. And now I'm excited because I'm putting the fast pieces in those bridges and it's a really, really empowering place. And there's some valuable lessons, right? And I think it's the reminders we all need, myself included. This game doesn't change at different levels. And just for you guys to understand, like no matter what level I hit, Kyle hits, this work is always going to be there as long as we're in the essence of serving customers and using entrepreneurship as a tool to get it. And so if nothing more, tattoo what Kyle just said on your soul and like take that with you forever. Like when you're going to start the marathon, realize that you can only run one at a time and it's really important that you get over the finish line. Because whether you get the time you want, whether you accomplish the goal or not, when you cross the finish line, every lesson that you learn will be a clear path to achieve everything that you want, but only if you cross the finish line. And I think that that's sure. probably the best way to land this plane. So Kyle, uh, this was a blast, man. I could do this with you all day, Joe Rogan style for like 10 hours. So 
I know selfishly, irregardless, I'm going to want to do it again. So for everybody listening, uh, I highly recommend DMing Kyle. Uh, He's great. You have his wife's permission to slide into his DMs. It's at the Kyle Porter, T-H-E-K-Y-L-E-P-O-R-T-E-R. And if you want to make it even easier, you can just DM me and be like, send me Kyle. And I will will make the warm handoff and I'll send you his Instagram. But man, thank you so much uh, from the bottom of my heart for being here. It was an honor. It was a pleasure. Any closing words for everybody listening? Just, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm here. I'm open. There's not, there's not a lot of people. And this is one of the things I respect the most about George. And I've seen it happen so many times that are truly as giving and open and honest and, and willing to welcome you into their ecosystem and their environment. Um, it's something I really admire about you, George, and something I aspire to for, for myself. So I'm making myself as available as I need to be. Um, come, come see me, come talk to me. Um, if I can't help you, I'll find somebody who can. I love it, man. And, and it's an honor to have you in my family. So consider yourself stuck until you get a restraining order. So, you know, either way you got me. So for everybody listening, uh, this was an absolute honor blast. To have my friend Kyle here. And I'm going to echo what we said one more time. Take one thing and see it throughout the finish line. And that's the game that you're going to win. So we will be back with another episode. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms, especially the one with yourself, which there were plenty of undertones of that today. So we'll either see you in the next episode or you will hear us in your earballs. But either way, we're out. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.